Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah? So I'm having a little bit of wonky time with my eyes, and so um, if I... Uh, repeat anything or reread it or have trouble with that this morning while you just keep me in prayer and just hang in there with me so nope this is not working so we'll go from Ephesians uh, 5 Um, we talked last week we've been on this journey and I always do that with teachings I tend to string uh, several of them together And we ended with this scripture and talking about being who we are in God and that um, having a walk worthy of God and what that is. And we closed with this one passage of scripture and uh, with it being from Ephesians 5.15. And read this together with me. Paul writes, See then that you walk circumspectly, Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so we were looking at what circumspectly means and what it means to have that sort of walk. So we were doing this uh, a posture before God and what it means to have a... uh, The word walk is used uh, over 60 times in the New Testament to describe how we live out this life here and what Jesus has done in us and how we allow the life of Jesus to live in us and live through that new changed person. And uh, then I kind of picked apart the word circumspectly and I want to do some of the uh, synonyms, I can't talk this morning, uh, for this. Yeah, it's my eyes. I can't see what I'm saying. Oh, that was pretty sharp if you caught it. Um, Synonyms for this word, and what it means is to be alert, be careful, be cautious, be conservative, be considerate, uh, guarded, heedful, safe, and even wary. That means mm, uh, looking at it all all things. but really the word circumspect suggests less fear and stresses and more about surveying all the possible consequences before you act or decide on something. So I just looked at that and kept praying. It just uh, This past week it just kept bouncing back into my thoughts and my prayers and about the times that we're living in. Comparatively, this we don't have it that rough. By the same token, it feels like difficult times. And if nothing else, there's a general atmosphere in the air of we're in very difficult times. And, uh, you know, there is, there is a pandemic and then there's uh, political upheaval and turmoil and just people... Uh, uh, I, can't, I can't remember the last time you read about a bomb going off uh, on, you know, at Christmas time in America. It's like, what? And the explosion, whatever those are called. Here's what I know. 
Whenever there's difficult times, it's a time of transition. Um, any of you ladies have babies? Yeah. You remember what transition was during your time of bringing forth that child? Yeah, there's a special little time in a woman birthing a baby that they call transition. Um, I call it the primeval scream. <laughs> you know, just before that baby comes out. And uh, that's what transition and a time of transition sort of feels like. Uh, it's, it's a time of instability, perplexity. Right now in our society, duplicity. Finger pointing, uh, ideological division. This is why I know navigating them is, uh, I don't know what you're going through. At times for me is frustrating and at times anxiety, anxiousness is what I'm filled with. So I ask myself a question. What would the Holy Spirit say to your heart about all these things? How do you navigate them? And uh, how do you get through them? And I, I jumped to First uh, Thessalonians 5. And listen to this, because normally we just apply this. Uh, many of us were taught dispensationalism, Christianity, and so we have this view of the end times. But I, I believe, Paul believed when he wrote this, that he was in the end times. I have to understand that. He, as, he was, as he was penning this, he felt that they were in the imminent return of Jesus. He was looking for it daily. So he writes to the church at Thessalonica in chapter 5. He says, verse 1, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. You should have it all figured out. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. That's where I got the transition word. And they shall not escape. But you, here's a key, but you, brethren, are not in darkness. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love that's putting on Christ, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation, for God did not appoint us to wrath. He's talking about transition times. He said, God didn't appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, then whether we awake or whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. What needs to be the focus of our lives right now? Living together with him. How do you get through trans times of transition? Live, and the key word here is, together with the Lord. You have somebody with you right now. 
through everything, high and low, through everything that's going on, whether you agree, don't agree, whether you're mad at this side, mad at that side, whether you think it's China's fault, no matter who's to blame, guess who's going to see you through it? Jesus. If it's a personal transition in your life, it's funny, when it's personalized, we have a tendency to do that. So I imagine, I know them so well, Caleb and Reagan right now are pressing into the Holy Spirit. Because they're going through a personal tragedy. They're going through a very difficult transition time of losing the patriarch in the family. And I, I know them. They're pressing into God. But that same principle applies when it seems like it's beyond us. Do you feel like a peon? Kind of a nobody, a surf from back in the Middle Ages. Like, what does it really matter what I think or do? Do you kind of... There's a reason for that. That's what we are. We're, we're kind of... We're nobodies that have the glory of God in us. We're nobodies who carry Christ. And we're actually not beneath these things. We're above them and beyond them in a time of transition. So I thought was, well, what are, like, what are the practical things? If I was going to tell you, look, this is really simple and this is really practical. What would I give you? What would I, so this is what I've been telling myself. Here's five very simple things to help with a time of transition. We're getting ready to go into a new year. Be a time of transition. What will 2021 hold for us? Well, rather than prophesy to you, I'd rather give you five simple things to see you through it. So first of all, it's a time of prayer. It's time to pray. If it was ever, it's always a time for prayer. But right now is a time for prayer. What and how? What do I pray and how? Well, you pray God's will. Remember the sample prayer? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? Earth as it is in heaven. So you pray those things. It's really interesting because prayer was Paul's prescription given to the body for anxiety. It's just like a doctor writing a note. Here, take five times a day of this. There's something that happens. uh, Praying with your family. Praying with friends. Praying alone. Engaging the Lord in prayer throughout the day. You don't have to go to a meeting. You are the meeting. Now, I want you to come to a prayer meeting, but you don't have, you're the meeting place. The Holy Spirit, here's what's really interesting. He wants to pray with you. We always think of praying to Him, but He wants to pray with you. He wants to lead you. In the, you and you can even ask a very simple question Holy Spirit, show me how to pray this. What would you have me focus on? And then get quiet and just listen. It's all so practical. Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, 
let your request be made known to God. And something happens. In prayer, something is released back to us even when you didn't ask for it. What is it? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And what does it do? It guards your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. It's through him. It's with him. The prayer, prayer is more than the, I've heard it described as the language of heaven. Prayer is the means of communication with the Holy One that lives inside of you. Is prayer different than just talking? Yeah, no. It is just talking, but there's a difference when you recognize that you're praying with someone. When you're praying alone, you're not alone. When it's just you praying, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit wants to pray with you, in you, through you. And so there, there's always this sense of, there's, this is going to sound really strange because I don't really separate it too much from worship, but there's this deep sense when I start praying uh, just it, it almost becomes overwhelming at times over your heart. You just know God's right there. Do you, have, do you know what I'm talking about? The, those experiential times when you pray and you go, whoo, and, and since you're not at a meeting, you go, that was the Lord. You got to tell yourself because there isn't somebody else to tell. You just go, oh, that was totally God. And then you'll read something five minutes later, you'll open Jesus Calling, and it says the very stuff that you just prayed. And try that instead. You're devotional. Read it after you pray instead of before you pray and see what happens. Because it's pretty amazing how often it aligns itself. And you go, and then it assures your heart. You know, we, we so often want to hear God. And then after you do it that way, you go, huh, that was God speaking to me in prayer. In prayer, he was speaking to me. How do you know? Because it got confirmed by something else. And then the Holy Spirit's tapping his foot. He goes, oh, buddy, just so delighted over it. You're starting to get it. The next one is this. Read the word. Making a conscious effort and attempts... uh, Try even a, a morning and evening approach to it. Don't read, like if you have struggled with reading, don't try and read all of Deuteronomy. You'll get bored, tired, and you'll put it down. Again, engage the Holy Spirit and pray and say, hey, what would you like, what do you think I ought to look at this morning? Just talk to him. And oftentimes you'll get a, address of a scripture you know, you know he'll, you'll feel it you'll sense it inside of you I know this that right now a good place to be is in the Psalms and the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes why that because those are the three wisdom books God gave in those writings they speak practical wisdom to us uh, right here for what you're going through. So in a time of transition, I don't know about you, 
But I want practical stuff. I, I want to know. Um, so I, and many of you have, have this memorized, you know. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 right now has been like, ugh. You know, so can some of you quote it? In, in times of transition, it's hard to find the path. So when you read that and read it back to yourself, and by the way, read it out loud to yourself. There's a little passage in Hebrews 10 that says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. So when you hear it, it's connected to your, to your listener. You read it aloud. And it does something. I just wrote three of them done. Just listen to Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you can't see the way forward, read. Something opens up. Look at Psalm 119, 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. So who's the word? Jesus, I tell when I read that, I'm putting it back into my own heart. I love Psalm 138. I will worship towards your holy temple. I kind of have to look at myself then. And praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. This caused me... I was telling Raquel this morning before worship, I've been looking at the names of God because his word, he magnifies his name and he says, you've magnified your word above your name. Now the the name of Jesus is powerful. It is salvation. He said, I magnified your word. But he is the word. So how does that work? I don't know. But something happens when I read the word that transition, it, uh, it makes me understand this if you look at the next verse. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. All this stuff that's going around right now, if it makes you scared, read the word. The word will steer you back into who he is. And it's just like, it's like an explosion going off. Very practical. Fellowship. It means you and I together. Calling upon friendships. Encouraging and edifying one another. When we face trials and transitions together... It reinforces our values, our trust, our hope, and our resolve, knowing we're in it together. We become like-minded, and here's what the other thing that happens. You retell your God stories when you're together. Have you ever noticed that about fellowshipping? You just start talking and sitting around with friends, and you start communicating, and you'll go, oh, that reminds me of a time when... And you, and you start, you're living the Psalms right there. You're retelling the stories of God of when in a, in a difficult time, or maybe it was a joyful time, that God met you, and you, you, you did that. 
And it's times when we, uh, Romans says here, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. What does that mean? When we do that, we become like-minded. We take on the same mind towards one another. I don't know about you. I don't always feel strong. I would say about half the time, I feel weak. When I look at what's going on around me, you you navigate through it and you go, what's the answer? But when I hear what somebody else has gone through and how God has been there for them, what he's done in their life, it reinstills back in me the idea of God being the strength. God being the director. He doesn't leave us alone. Uh, Where you go, I go. As you follow God, I follow God. It's so important that we fellowship. Listen, they're telling churches not to get together. Right or wrong, whether you think that's a good response or not response, I'm going to tell you this morning, it's a horrible response. So it's us being together. If they're telling you to, that you have to isolate to be okay, that's not in the Word. I'm not going to isolate. I'm going to be with my friends. Of all the things, if you want to know where am I at politically, that, that really bothers me, that they are trying to get us to not be together. Guess where our authority power and strength will come from us being together wherever two or more of you are gathered together in my name what does he say right in the midst of them we're going to need each other and you'll not be of the same mind towards each other without being together it just doesn't happen Read Hebrews 10. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. This is long before American church and church buildings. There were no church buildings. As is of the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Really important to be together and to be one, and to encourage one another. That way, when I don't understand what's going on, and I feel scared, and I'm down, you get beside me and hold me up, and vice versa. And it does something else. Value check. We all live by values. Each one of us has within us core values, You probably have never written them out, don't know how to look at them, but are there some things in your life that you like sort of classify them as non-negotiables? There should be. There's some non-negotiables about my life, about my values. It's interesting, the Word of God uses, uh, Jesus stressed the use of this word, your treasure. Treasure are the things that are of 
value. You hold these values. In Matthew 12, he says this, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they'll give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What do you value? What do you really, what are your non-negotiables in life? How do you find that out? Sit down with a piece of paper and list out the five most important things that you have in your life. Those are your values. Those are your non-negotiables. It's so, it's so deeply important. He says in Luke 12, Sell what you have and give all. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What do you treasure? Those are your values. What can you do without? I can remember years ago when we when the Lord directed us, and I met with other people to start New Day. And when this, uh, we funny Kansas City is a heavy town that all, and even the church in America always stresses vision, vision and mission. And when I was first starting New Day, and people were thinking about coming, and say, "What's your vision?" I go, "I don't have one." They just go, what's the vision of the church? I don't have one. Would you like to know what our values are? Because you see, we'll never have a shared vision if we don't have shared values. So all I did for the first four or five years was teach about values. What we did, did as people. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. What, what are you really valuing today? I still value you being here together this morning. And that you would come to church because it speaks something about who you are. I know half the time that church can be boring. And I so know that sometimes I give really good messages. And other times they're just a little bit left of a long turn. Um, <sighs> For various things. I'm not doing that as a throwaway statement. Sometimes church is just church. But when you learn to value it, what you're saying is I value being with you. I value us being together. Beloved, whatever is going on in our country, do not let them steal church out of your heart. Fight for it. Whatever that means inside of you, make it your value. Fight for it. Because what we're really saying is I'm fighting to be with you. What do you mean fight? Do you mean, no, don't go there. I don't mean that. What, I, what I'm saying is fight for the values that God has put in you. Your family. Well, most of the time I love them, but right now we're not getting along. Forgive and move it back into the treasure of your heart. There's some things that are really important in a time of transition. If you can hear it 
now me as your pastor, 2021 is going to have you emphasize some things. And being right with family will be a key. That you're okay. Doesn't mean you have to be with somebody you don't like, but that you're okay. It's really be important as we go through this transition. Here's the last one. This has been wonderful for me. A time of transition is a time to deeply fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, One of the words for that is communion, to commune with the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? How do you make it real? What is that? Uh, you know, and I, I, I actually use it as a little bit of a doxology blessing, but the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. What does that mean? Acknowledging Him. Talk to Holy Spirit throughout the day. Take four or five or six or eight or how many ever times you want. Maybe it's only two. Talk to him as the Holy Spirit. Call him that. Call him his other names. He's called the Spirit of Truth. He's called the Comforter. These are the names that Jesus gave to him. He likes to be known as his names, by the way. Just talk to Holy Spirit. He's tangible. He decided to live inside of you. That is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And Paul said, he now dwells in you. Just go through your days. This is beyond a prayer time. This is just, Holy Spirit, I just acknowledge you right now. Time of transition, you got to make decisions. Holy Spirit, would you help me and lead me into making the right decision here? If I'm not supposed to do this, Direct it and stop it right now. Give him permission. But engaging him in such a way that it sets up communion between you and him. Here's what I know about it. He really likes this. More than all the stuff of what we do with the Holy Spirit and when like we're praying for other people and you're trying to minister to them and all that. Beyond that, it's you and he. Join together. And when we, st- when we stop, here's what happens. I begin to understand things differently. I begin to know things. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 3. Because this was Paul's great prayer. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit. In the inner man. The inner man is your soul, mind, emotion, and will. And this is what it does. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. When I start engaging the Holy Spirit, I start engaging the love of God at work in my life. This is how important it is. Don't just, don't just, please, don't just blow me off here this morning. Go, yeah, now there's 
Now, this is really important. When you acknowledge him, you begin to get moved into a place by him of understanding what is the height and width and depth and length of God's love for you. In a time of transition, you need to know how much God loves you. In a time of transition, in order to survive, you need to be convinced in your heart of hearts that above everything, the unconditional love of God is real. When you get convinced that the love of God is towards you and for you and that there's nothing that can ever take it away, security starts to grow in that. There's an understanding, oh, I don't have to, this isn't about rights and wrongs. This is about how much God cares for me. When you do that by acknowledging the Holy Spirit, he starts uh, building a treasure within you. He starts putting things inside of you. How does it work? It's the mystery of God. He starts doing this. You start seeing things you haven't seen before, all from acknowledging Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, direct me. Oh, let me, why? This is what I know about him. This is what I learned through the transitions that I've gone through in my life. Whenever I acknowledge Holy Spirit, he always reveals Jesus to me. Why? Because that's what Jesus said he would do. He promised believers, I'm going to send you someone and he's always going to point you to me. When I, in a time of transition, when it's hard to know who and what and how to trust, guess who you can trust? Holy Spirit. He will direct you into the love of God. When the love of God comes in, listen, I don't know what we'll have to go through or not go through, but I know this, if the love of God is with me, I can do it. I don't have to escape this. He will get me through this. In a storm, he is more than just being the boat in the boat with me. He is the boat. If there is a storm around me, Holy Spirit is the one thing that it becomes the anchor in every storm. Every transitional storm of life that I've gone through, he's been with me. In learning that, and this is my own testimony, but I'm telling you, this is for, this is for all people. Whenever I've gotten ready to go through a big transition in life, the Holy Spirit has either sent me somebody something from his word, or I've had something like a dream, that, and he's very specific with it. This is for the transition that you're getting ready to go through. How quickly did it happen? Usually within a year or two, I went through a transition in life. But he always prepared me. Holy Spirit's been so kind to me and so good to me. He's the spirit of truth. I can depend on him. He has never, ever led me astray. When I heard goofy stuff going on, and the Holy Spirit go, mm -mm, not me. 
instead of getting mad about it, I just went, not him. Just move on. But he's always taking care of me. The Holy Spirit will take care of you. Why? It's his job to see you through to the end. Whatever the end is, that's his role. (laughs) Think of this. He writes in Hebrews, and Jesus, (laughs) at the end of the Gospels, Lo, I am with you even unto the end of the age. In Hebrews he says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. (sighs) Who can you depend on? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but he's got me through every season of my life. He just did. I didn't even know of his salvation. He brought salvation to me. And he has kept me. I have this testimony. I don't even know if I believe in that anymore. I never knew a day of backsliding, whatever that meant to what whoever was saying it. Holy Spirit's always kept me. He's always just guided me along. You're saying you never did anything wrong? No, it's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he never abandoned me. There was no forsaking. There was no abandonment. There was no, okay, you got yourself into this one. Instead, his arm was always over me and around me. So what is it? Here's my challenge. What will it hurt you to acknowledge him five times tomorrow? What if I only did it four and I promised five? Stop it. He's with you always. That's legalism. Just take the next few days and say, Oh, Holy Spirit, if there's any time I need you, it's right now. It's not this long thing. It's a short thing. Right to your heart. Those are the five things I know will help anybody through a transition. It will help any people through a transition. Those are the gifts that God gave us. Aren't they incredible? So I want to pray them for us right now. Lord, we're in a transition in this nation and in this world right now. Things feel out of kilter, out of whack. And Lord, I'm not sure who's ever in charge. I want them to be in charge. So instead, I look to you. I look to the greater kingdom and I look to the king of the greater kingdom and I say, you're in charge, Jesus. I bow my knee to you this morning and I acknowledge you that Jesus Christ, you are the son of the living God. You came to earth. You carried me to the cross. You died in my stead with me. You rose from new life. You raised me to new life that I could live for you. So in this time of transition, I live this life unto you. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. 
So Holy Spirit, help me. Be, you are called the helper. Be my helper. In the simplicity of believing, direct my steps. Take care of me. Watch over me. Take care of my family and my friends. And be there. You are the God who is there. And this my heart knows well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love on each other. Happy New Year.